Microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. Forgive the interruption, but I believe this requires your attention. Meanwhile, at the above-ground underwater suborbital volcano lair... This is urgent. We need a response team. We're already putting together the best man. With all due respect, sir, so am I. I have a plan. <laughs> it's real! Mighty Marvel Geeks. That's what we call ourselves. Sort of like a team. Team? No, no, no. We're a chemical mixture that makes chaos. We're, we're a time bomb. Well then, son, you've got a condition. Your show about all things Marvel with Mike, Kylan, and Eric. What a bunch of losers. I am Groot. That I did know. These people may be isolated, unbalanced even, but I believe with the right push, they can be exactly what we need. Suit up. I'm bringing the party to you. I have indeed been uploaded, sir. We're online and ready. And welcome to another issue of Mighty Marvel Geeks. It is the intrepid trio, Kyla and Eric, and myself, Mike. And of course, we have someone special on the line. I am Groot. No, it's not your turn, Groot. Move along. Actually, we have editor-in-chief of Unicorn and former Marvel assistant editor, Heather Antos. How are you doing tonight, guys? And hey. Heather? Uh, doing well. Thanks for having me on, guys. Oh, it's our pleasure. We had to we had to make sure that your your name badge we gave you at celebration was was legit. I know, I know. It's it's. I'm I'm happy to bring everything full circle now. So let's go ahead and start currently. Just recently, back in March, you left Marvel to become editor in chief of Unicron or Unicron uh, <laughs> Unicorn. <laughs> I wish I was editor in chief of Unicron. That'd be cool. Can you imagine the car I would get with that with that gig? That, that would be uh, awesome. Very. If you don't like how it looks today, it'll change tomorrow. Exactly. Exactly. Beat all the traffic. It'd be ideal. No. Uh, yeah. Two months ago, uh, uh, roughly, is is when I left Marvel and joined uh, Unicorn. And it's time flies. I was I was actually just last night hanging out with some of my my Marvel friends. And it's crazy, like how much changes there in just a sh- couple weeks. <laughs> so tell us a little bit more about Unicorn, because I know myself knew very little until I heard you were taking over as editor in chief. Yeah. So Unicorn is a company uh, the we're, we're the biggest and one of the first in our industry that offer uh, esports betting. Um, so online uh, betting on esports, uh, competitive video gaming and CSGO, Overwatch, um, League of Legends, Dota, uh, as well as a bunch of other games. I don't deal so much with the betting side of it. I oversee all um, all editorial things. So whether that's op-eds, features, interviews, tournament coverage, news, et cetera, et cetera, podcasts, um, I oversee all of that. Um, but I'm also not out of comics. Uh, I'm freelancing in comics still. I'm still very much involved with the comic scene. I'm just not at Marvel anymore. Okay. Well, let's go back to Marvel then. How did you get started at Marvel, um, and especially coming in as an assistant editor? 
Yeah. So I graduated college and was doing the whole, what do I want to do with my life thing? Trying to figure out uh, what options were out there. And um, one of my friends at the time was just like, well, you like comics. Like, why don't you try and, and work in comics? Um, and up until that point, I didn't really realize that, uh, oh yeah, people get paid to make these things. <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it's not, it's not really a thing. They have like a, you know, bring a comic creator to, to work, you know, to career day at school. It just wasn't a thing where I was from. Um, so it was just never an option that was, that I thought was out there for me. But as soon as my friend said, so like, it's all I wanted, I knew like, this is, this is it. This is what I want to do. So I just began reaching out to any professional in the industry that would talk to me to just, you know, how did you do it? What do you do to try and learn more about the industry and learn more about the careers within the industry? Um, and that's how I met Jordan White, who later became my boss. I met him at C2E2 in 2014. And he talked to me about editing and what an editor does. And I just knew that was the thing I wanted to do. Um, and so from that point on, it was all about building up a resume of the types of projects that could get me in the door. Um, and that's when I began just self-publishing and freelancing and, you know, building up whatever street cred I could, um, kept in contact with Jordan. Uh, and when they had an opening, um, he asked if I'd be interested in interviewing and the rest is history. Okay. Wow. So, um, (laughs) 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 we're all being gentlemen here waiting for the other to go first is kind of like, ah! <laughs> uh, well, okay. So, did your family flip when you told them that you wanted to be an, a comic book editor? Uh, I've always kind of been the one to to you know forge my own path. Uh, growing up, I studied theater and, and film, and that's what I went to school for. And um, and and when I was like, oh, I don't want to do film anymore. I want to, you know, like I w- acting in film isn't study enough of a career. Let's go work in comics. That seems like a study job uh i remember my mom always my mom always used to say like oh well it's nice to have a hobby um (laughs) but then i would always you know go back to her and be like you studied music shut up you can't tell me anything So what were some of the titles that you liked uh, when you were growing up? So I was very much into the first series, really, that I I remember being obsessed over was Green Lantern. Um, I really don't know why. Like, I I think that just might have been just the first books that I got my hands on were Green Lantern and... um, but uh, I, I was always a big fan of, you know, your, your Sunday morning newspaper strips. My brothers and I would fight over those. Um, it got to the point where my parents literally, when the paper came, had to like divide it into sections and you get this page, you get this page, you get this page because um, we would just fight over it. Uh, and I, Calvin and Hobbes will always have a special place in my heart from my childhood as well as Bloom County. Bloom County is a really good one, too. Awesome. What was the first Marvel book you remember getting into before coming to Marvel? Deadpool. Uh, Deadpool was my first. uh, And I actually didn't really read Marvel until college. Um, I was always a DC person growing up. Um, You know, reading Green Lantern and Batman and Justice League. Those those were the books I read growing up. Um, and then sometime in college there, I, I don't even remember what issue it was, but it was just some Deadpool thing that looked fun. And I picked it up and I became obsessed with the character and I read everything Deadpool. 
Um, but I really didn't get into like Marvel as a universe and Marvel as a whole until the movies started coming out. Um, and then once the movies came out, I became a lot more interested in the Marvel universe. And I think part of that is just because growing up, like I watched the Batman animated series. I watched the Adam West, Burt Ward, Batman TV yeah. show. I had, you know, the, the Aaron Schumacher or the Joel Schumacher, uh, Tim Burton Batman movies like that universe was just always familiar to me um so it wasn't until the the marvel films came out that i really knew what that world was okay well i'm gonna start off i put out there on twitter that you were coming on the show and asked for questions and i'm gonna go with one of our first questions that came off the twitter <laughs> um if i could find it where'd it go ah what's your advice to fairly new or What's your advice to fairly raw writers as to the biggest pet peeve you see in scripts as an editor? Hashtag asking for a friend. And, <laughs> and I, I, I'm guessing this guy is, uh, is an aspiring comic book writer. It's a Ethan Sachs. So Ethan Sachs uh, writes for Marvel currently, <laughs> Ethan. <laughs> he currently writes the Old Man Hawkeye series. He sent me a really cool uh, Star Wars pitch uh, a year or two ago. So, uh, yeah, to you amateur writer out there, Ethan Sachs. Um, <laughs> but he's fairly new to comics. It's fine. It's fine. No, I think, I mean, I think for me, it's one of the most frustrating things with, with newer writers is just not being conscious that an artist has to draw what you're writing. Um, it's so easy for a writer to write, oh, it's a it's a bird's eye view of this massive city skyscraper and there's all these monsters coming in with a crowd of people like it. That's that's just one paragraph. That's just a couple sentences. That's the easiest thing for you to write. Someone has to sit there and draw that. Um, and so if you're going to be writing these massive crowd scenes, if you're going to be writing, you know, these these crazy, crazy complex scenes, they better be imperative because um, that's a that's a surefire way for an artist to to hate you. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I'd say, you know, first and foremost is definitely just be conscious that like another human being has to actually, you know, bring to life what you are putting on paper. <laughs> well, we, we actually interviewed Ethan, uh, right? Episode two, uh, 199, right before our 200th. Something like that. Because we ended up having Ryan North for 200. So, um, yeah, Ethan was really great, and we have become fans of Old Man Hawkeye ourselves. Oh, yeah. and, and it becomes a fight who gets who get who gets to pick him pick that title when that book pops up for New Comic Book Day <laughs> for our pick of the week. So it, it becomes a, a nice little battle. Um, who logs on first? Otherwise, <laughs> no. pretty much who 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 gets to the who who gets to the Google Drive first. <laughs> No, you you have have had a major stake in the Star Wars titles, various Star Wars titles coming to Marvel, plus a bunch of other characters. Um, so, for the moment, outside of Star Wars, who's been some of the favorite characters that you've had your hands on, either bringing to life for the first time or bringing back from the depths of the Marvel universe? I mean, I think it goes without saying Gwenpool, right? Like, I mean, anyone, anyone who, who knows Gwenpool knows me and I think vice versa, um, you know, being part of her creation and bringing her to life in the Marvel universe has like, there's, 
there's no words to describe like how amazing that journey has been. Um, and you know, she, she will always be near and dear to my heart. Uh, so yeah, hurt. I mean, Gwen hands down. Um, well, these, these guys will tell you for 25 months, Gwenpool was a consistent pick of mine for pick of the week Aww. every month. We yeah, knew better month. than to try to pick a Gwenpool. <laughs> Well, thank you. I love, oh, I miss it so much. I'm, I'm getting like all these warm fuzzies in my heart and even now just talking about her. I love her so much. She's the best. <laughs> well, when, okay, then before you continue on with this thing, I got to ask, what was your take when you saw they're moving Gwen West to be a part of the West Coast Avengers? So that was actually my pitch. Uh, that, that was a decision that happened back when I was still at Marvel. So I, I knew it was happening. <laughs> Uh, the editor was going around and she was like, oh, we need, you know, we need younger characters to be on this team with Kate. Uh, and I was like, oh, Gwen, do Gwen, use Gwen. Do, do you have to use Gwen? And at that time, I had been talking with Kelly, with the writer Kelly for another possible Gwen project. And so like Gwen was already in Kelly's head. And so when Alana came to me about this other book that Kelly was writing, I just started texting Kelly and I was like, you're putting Gwen in this book. So... <laughs> So, yeah. So you're sitting back like Mr. Burns just going, excellent. Oh, 100%. I mean, that's just really all I do all the time anyway, right? Like. So uh, so before I took us on that fun little tangent, which I thought I was going to get, uh, I was absolutely shocked to, nope, I was masterminding behind it, twist, <laughs> um, along with Gwen, which awesome character, uh, absolutely fell in love with the with the stories. Um, was there someone that was from the Marvel Universe uh, pre, pre-existing that you enjoyed bringing back? Uh, yeah, I think uh, some of the fun that Jordan and I got to have with Deadpool when we did the Mercs for Money, like bringing back Fool Killer and Solo and Terror Inc. and Slapstick, like all those guys um, and getting to like redesign them and, uh, you know, tell new stories and just kind of reintroduce them to modern comics. That was a lot of fun. I think we got some pretty cool stories out of out of some of those guys. And um, it's, it's always fun revamping, revamping characters and reintroducing them so they they were really cool to do so how big of a star wars fan were you before you got uh before that you got brought into the comic side of it it's funny you say that or ask that because if you ask me how big of a star wars fan i was before i got the job i thought i was just a casual fan i thought my knowledge of star wars was everyone knows this stuff And then I got the job at Marvel and I'm working, you know, in this office of nerds and I'm talking Star Wars and dropping, you know, character names and planet names. And like I can, you know, I know figuring Dan and the modal notes like I know the cantina band and I know the names of the members of the band and like it's just casual everyday Star Wars things and people are looking at me like deer in headlights and I'm like oh this is this is not normal (laughs) because because in my group of friends in college I I was I was the casual nerd they were the super crazy you know when, when you think of like a when you think of the stereotypical movie Hollywood version of a nerd that's what my friends were when it came to star wars so i was the normal one <laughs> <laughs> and then i get to marvel and i'm talking like i remember a conversation 
with Nick Lowe I have, and I'm talking about Mustafar and the history of Mustafar and the natives there and all of this. And he's just like, what are you talking about? (laughs) (laughs) But no, I'm, I've, I've always been a really hardcore star Wars fan. Um, in college I had a, uh, tabletop RPG wizard, star Wars wizards of the coast campaign that went on for six years that we played. Um, and like, I mean, one of my favorite stories to tell is I got to see all of the prequels as uh, field trips in school growing up because it was they always came. I know I'm aging myself, <laughs> <laughs> but so not to age myself further, but I was eight when Phantom Menace came out and which was the right age for that movie. Um, and I remember we went to the theater and I was just in love. This was everything I could have ever wanted as an eight year old. So much so that I hid in the theater when my class left so I could sit in the theater and watch it again. Oh, my Ooh. gosh. And But they still let me go back for Attack of the Clones, so I didn't get in that much trouble. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, like Star Wars, Star Wars has always been a huge, huge, massive part of, of my life. Like whether I was aware of it or not, um, like how normal that was, uh, you know, and so getting to to work on the franchise in such a cool time for the franchise has been a dream come true okay, all right so did you did you read any of the any of the novels uh during this time uh prior to starting to work or getting to work uh uh on the star wars line uh oh yeah i mean i <laughs> if i if i had a webcam I'd, I'd pan it over and show you my <laughs> my uh bookshelf i have a i have a, a five-year bookshelf that's nothing but star wars novels uh, <laughs> i like star wars <laughs> <laughs> but did, did any of that creep into well, – well, I understand you were an editor, but did any of that creep into uh, suggestions that you may have given to uh, the writers for you know, whatever they were working on? What do you, as in like bringing back legend stuff? Or... Yeah, like did you ever try to sneak a little – some legend stuff into uh, – because I, I, I'll admit like I like – I catch myself now because I'm reading the X-Wing series, and I catch myself thinking, you know what? It'd be really cool. Cool if you know. <laughs> so. Oh, totally, totally. I mean, yeah. I mean, I'm a Legends fan, hardcore. Day one, day one at Marvel, I'm sitting there and like, okay, when are we doing a Thrawn book? You're letting me do a Thrawn book. We're bringing back Thrawn, you know, and like Rogue Squadron. Rogue Squadron's coming back, right? We're gonna find a way to do Rogue Squadron. Uh, so it's it's always, you know, it's something that Story Group is very aware of and the the fine balance of of Legends and and what is currently canon. Um, that you know. They're very careful what they pick and choose to to be canonized, right. um, which is smart and wise. But yeah, no, I mean, everyone has their favorite characters and favorite stories. And I think for me, it was rather than bringing back stories that have already been told. For me, it was more about bringing back the feeling that those stories gave us. Ah, OK. Uh, you, you mentioned Thrawn. Which oh, yeah. I, I'm going to flash back to April of 2017. <laughs> a Great panel, which I wish I had recorded for the for the site, which was the Marvel panel. And there was the survey going on in the room and it ended up being the winner was Ahsoka. How much of that was actually you were trying to steer everyone towards Thrawn because there were at least two of us chanting praise on Thrawn. <laughs> Uh, no, well, at that point, the Thrawn book that I, I launched when I was still at Marvel had already been approved. So like a Thrawn book was already happening. (laughs) 
yeah, no. One one day they'll get the Ahsoka comic. It'll happen. <laughs> <laughs> okay, aside from Ahsoka, what's a character from the old EU Legends continuity that you would love to see brought back for, if nothing else, a limited miniseries? Revan, hands down, Darth Revan. Oh. Uh, I think I brought that up at that panel, too. I was like, I'd yeah. love to do like an Old Republic or Revan comic. Yeah. I love Revan. Um, and if not Revan, then like, uh, oh, Darth Bane, I would do Darth. I love the Sith. Let's let's just I like the evil <laughs> characters. They're more fun. Um, so, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd want to bring back Darth Revan if I could. I, I think the proper response was Jackson. But oh, we'll, well, we'll, accept, mean, we'll accept Revan. Hey, I've, already, I've already gotten Jackson on a couple covers, so <laughs> I haven't got Revan on a cover yet. <laughs> Jack, Jackson's on probably my f- most favorite cover from one of my most yes. favorite Star Wars cover artists out there. And that's the party cover for issue one by John Tyler Christopher. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. I'm still holding out for the Crimson Jack, but that's just me. <laughs> <laughs> the the other accepted answer. <laughs> um, I'll always accept that answer. I'm going to go back to Twitter real quick for another question. Um, this comes from El Scorcho. What challenges did you face when working on Gwynpool, an unestablished character? Also, how awesome is it that Kamala Khan is in the works for the MCU? Well, first and foremost, it's pretty dang awesome that Kamala Khan is in the works for the MCU. It's about time, I think. Um, so that's exciting. I have no idea like when that's going to happen or what's going to happen there. But, uh, you know, I, I saw the news the same time everyone else did. And and I, let's be honest, for me, I see, oh, Kamala Khan's in the works. That means there's hope for Gwenpool. Like, that's yes. <laughs> That's what I'm sitting there. Well, let, then let me post this question real quick. Is Gwenpool... Was she be considered under the Fox licensing at the moment, or would she be Marvel Studios licensing? She's licensed by no one right now. Her creation was a weird amalgam. So because Gwen Stacy was Spider-Man, which is Sony, Mm -hmm. but Deadpool is X-Men and Fox, when Marvel, when when they're like, oh, we want a Gwenpool book, we want to make Gwenpool a character, we want to, we don't want to like her to be owned by either of these, you know, either of these licensees. So we need her to debut in a Marvel title, which is why she debuted in Howard the Duck. Yes. (laughs) Which means that no one owns her. (laughs) Once again, you have made Mike's night. And Howard the Duck is another title that we knew we should never, ever pick. Speaking of Howard the Duck, third. Oh my gosh! Speaking of Howard the Duck, I found a Howard the Duck T-shirt on the Shop Disney website. Oh, it will be mine. This is my fourth Howard the Duck reference of the day. No, but back to the question. Yeah, I mean, creating a brand new character in in the Marvel Universe, especially like, you know, people say she's a legacy character because she was based off a variant cover of Gwen Stacy and Deadpool. But at the end of the day, she's not a legacy character, you know. Um, she's not like Silk or Spider-Gwen that debuted in a Spider-Man comic. Um, she kind of really had to forge her own path. So 
for us, you know, we were when, when Chris Hastings, Jordan and I sat, would sit down and really discuss like, what is Gwenpool and how do we make her special? It was how do we make her special and make sure she stands out from Gwen Stacy? How do we make her special and make sure she stands out from Deadpool? And and so we did the only thing that we could think of doing, which was, well, let's do a thing that no other Marvel character has been before. Let's make her a comic fan from our universe, um, which made her unique and gave her, you know, very unique abilities and a very unique perspective on the Marvel universe and mm-hmm. what it means to be a hero, um, what I, it means to be a comic book character. I think that's one of the things I liked about the character is, yeah, she just happens to be named Gwen Stacy, but it's not it to me. She didn't come across as being the same Gwen Stacy from the Spider-Verse. It's just coincidence. Yep. And she's a huge Deadpool fan, which was great. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, I, you know, we had a lot of fun with her and, and I think, you know, you, uh, you, you read the books and I think it speaks for itself, you know, yeah. uh, just so much fun to do. And and now she's appearing in video games and it's just it's so cool. <laughs> I think I have her as a six star level character on Marvel Future Fight. Nice. All right. And when the Marvel Tsum Tsum game was out, I did have her and it made my daughter jealous. <laughs> <laughs> which is easy to do anyway so uh but she's also a huge spider gwen fan as well good your daughter has excellent taste i try <laughs> <laughs> um well i guess i'll go to the next question uh james cody Phoenix. hopefully i didn't miss, butcher the last name too much what do you miss about your old job and what excites you most about your new job uh so i mean i think most of all i miss the people like i i miss my editorial team i love those guys to pieces they're some of my dearest friends you know and um you know i i miss the characters uh getting to work in such an established universe that connects with so many people across the world um um, it's a really special thing and it's a, it's and it's such a privilege to to be a part of that um but I, uh, you know, my new job, uh, I get to I get to play video games a lot. You guys like <laughs> jealous. Like so. So when I worked in when when my day job was comics, you know, I got to read comics before everyone else. But now I get to play video games before everyone else. So that's kind of cool. <laughs> uh, uh, OK, I got to ask because I have to wait until Tuesday for this. All right. Have you played the um, 30th for the uh, Street Fighter 30th anniversary? I I have not, um, but I'm not a Street Fighter fan, so that's that's okay. that's the only reason why there. But I got to play State of Decay two before everyone oh. else, which was so good fun. Um, and I've and I've already put my, you know, they announced uh, Call of Duty Black Ops four. Yeah. Um, so I've already I've already put in my like, okay, when do I get to test this? So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I want to add on to to James's question: Are you going back for Marvel Milkshake? 2018 oh god uh i probably not but only because i didn't even have a milkshake the first time (laughs) okay (laughs) i how did how did you feel when that whole thing blew up the way it did which i felt was totally went the wrong direction i i mean it's it, it was a weird thing 
I, I try not to talk about it a lot because I really don't feel like it's a thing to talk about. Um, you know, it's it's one thing when someone puts something out there and makes a political statement and uh, they get harassed for it. Like, that's a terrible thing. And um, people should stand up for them. Like, I posted a photo of my friends and I, you know, commemorating the, the death of a, of a mentor and it, and it became a political thing. Right. Um, and it, it just, you know, people are like, oh, I stand by you and I stand with you. And it's like, I'm thankful for that. But like, I don't know what we're standing for other than like i don't know it's it's just a weird it's a weird thing um you know and and well i think i think when i tweeted support on from the show it was more again like what you guys were doing in support of a co-worker who had passed where that was a common thing for her was yeah was the milkshakes so yeah and, and that's what the whole thing was about was it, it was honoring a memory of a, of a friend and and a, and a legend in marvel herself yeah and that and that's that's the big thing for me is you know that photo is going to go down in history and be known for something completely different than what yeah. it was um and that's what breaks my heart is you know like we loved flow and flow is just everything to to all of the women at marvel and you know it it just it breaks my heart that you know, I, I fear publicly it's going to be remembered for something so ugly. Well, I I think it, it just needs to be the anniversary of her death. Everyone just needs to go out to have a milkshake in her honor, and, and that's I'm, the I'm, way, and that's the way it needs to be remembered. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm sure something. I'm I'm curious to see what they do this year. Um, I'm sure something will will happen. Um, not sure if anyone will tweet a photo of it. <laughs> now with the Star Wars titles, what? We asked Jordan this. What was it like knowing all of a sudden you guys are getting Marvel or getting Star Wars back under Marvel control after such a long absence? I mean, crazy, you know, like <laughs> intimidating, uh, you know, like there's 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 nothing bigger than Star Wars when it comes to entertainment, when it comes to media. There's nothing out there that can come close to touching what Star Wars touches. Uh, and that's a huge challenge. That's super intimidating. There's, uh, but also really, really exciting. Um, because what better place for Star Wars to go than back at the place that started the Star Wars comics and, and, you know, Marvel has a pretty great reputation for putting out quality contents. And I like to think, you know, our work speaks for itself in that, in that regard. Um, those comics are blast. <laughs> well, I can tell you that uh, I, one of the I was a big fan of the Star Wars comics the first time they were with Marvel. And uh, I used to collect those. Uh, and I, this is just one fan's opinion, but I think y'all have totally done justice to the original run and then some. Oh, well, thank you so much. That means a lot. I want to say one of my favorite characters, without a doubt, and I was so pleased at Celebration to see so much of this character cosplayed. 
um, was the introduction of Dr. Afra. How, how much input did you have with that character? Or when you saw the character come about from, from Kirian, how excited did you get for the character? Uh, so Afra was 100% Kieran's pitch. Like she 100% came from him. Um, you know, he wanted this, he needed a, a foil for Vader. He needed, you know, someone for Vader to talk to and, and someone to make the book not as dark as what that book would be without her, um, to add a little humor to it. And, uh, but I, I remember reading the first script that she appeared in, like, you know, this is something special. Like she is, you know, she's she's someone who beats, you know, beats her own drum and people are going to like her. But no one could have ever expected her to take off um, in the way that she did. You know, like she she became, you know, she didn't go viral in a sense, but like people lost their minds with her. I remember the, you know, that issue sold out so fast on the shelves and um we got the fan art right away and people started cosplaying right away. And it was it was just cool to have this, you know, badass woman of color in the Star Wars universe hold her own against Darth Vader. Who does that? Who goes up to Darth Vader and talks sass to him and lives? <laughs> um, who outsmarts Darth Vader when he kills you, quote unquote? You know, who does that? Uh, yeah, she... If there is any character that I've been a part of creating in the Star Wars universe that lives and breathes classic Star Wars, it is Afra, hands down. And I cannot wait to see, you know, how she continues to grow in the universe. She's already appeared in a in a short story in uh, in the novels, and she's appearing in mobile games here and there. She's getting her first yeah. action figure this year. Like yes. I'm just, and and there are some other things with her that I know that are going on in the background that haven't been announced yet. That I just. It just makes me, again, like Gwenpool, it just makes me so excited to have been a part of a creation of a character that has just connected with so many different people. Um, and, and to have something like that within the established franchise that is Star Wars is just, like, indescribable. We we have a great Gwenpool story. Or not Gwenpool. Uh, Dr. Afra story that happened when Eric and I met Jordan. And I'm going to let him tell the story since he was the catalyst for it. What? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The our casting for oh 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 yeah okay so I'm trying to remember how that came about yes it's because we wanted to see Doctor Afra in the uh, in the movies somewhere somehow yeah and we figured considering how far removed the the current trilogy the sequel trilogy was from you know the space in between the prequels and the original trilogy um. This was mainly just kind of like an offhand uh, remark. Well, I think it, I think it happened after we met the the gentleman who became the five hundred first approved triple uh, zero. Okay, yeah. I said, well, well, how about Betty White? Because I mean. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I would love to see Betty White in a Star Wars movie. And that's when Jordan just kind of like, yeah, about that. Uh, mostly you know, said we, we tried to portray her as Asian, although not all of the artists kind of convey that as well as others. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of like, well, I feel well and truly embarrassed now. <laughs> <laughs> so we then changed it over to Ming-Na Wen. Okay, yes. okay. That's that's fair. That's fair. That I know was... I don't know. I would like to see Betty White uh in the Star Wars universe. We already have B. Arthur in there, so you know, why not? <laughs> 
Uh, let's go back to another Twitter question real quick. Um, this is from Levi B. Tompkins, and I'm going and I know you had asked him for some clarification, so I'm going to add that to the question. Uh, I really enjoy seeing some body diversity in your work. To what extent do you find it in pers- uh, important? And then he clarifies uh, by body diversity having characters in a variety, varying range of physicalities, thin, plump, etc. Yeah, well, I think you know, I think it's super important. There's there's an old saying that the Marvel Universe is the world outside your window. And the world outside my window, not everyone looks the same. You know, people are tall, short, fat, skinny, thin, you know, athletic, muscular, third eyes, third nipples, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Different, different, different ethnicities, and and so that's so so important. You know, we want our readers to to see themselves in these characters, and we want our readers to to see themselves in these stories. And in order to do that, you know, we have to add characters to these worlds that look like them. Um, and so it's and and especially like these, um, the majority of the Marvel stories too take place in New York City. Well, for anyone who knows anything about New York City, it's the melting pot of you know. They say it's the melting pot of America. You go down to the subway and you're going to hear, fi- you know, five different languages being spoken. And and I think that's one of the coolest things about New York City. So getting to portray that in the comics is, you know, just seems I, I don't see why you would portray it any other way. OK. Uh, and then I th- think we had one more. Yes. Uh, this is from a Daniel Joyo. Again, it's a guess. How do, <laughs> how do I become a Marvel editor? I'm a professional entertainment industry writer with bylines for Vanity Fair and Vox, and I've been a professional publications editor for Sundance since 2015. Most importantly, I've been an avid comic reader since 1992. I know the industry. Yeah, so there's no just like there's no one way to becoming a comic book writer. There's there's no one way to becoming a comic book editor. Um, and you know it's it's kind of like the joke they say that once one person finds one avenue, that path is forever taken. You know you can't you can't repeat. So you know how how Heather Antos broke in, you can't break in because Heather Antos took that that card off the table. But you know, the easiest way, of course, is is going through the internship, the editorial internship program. First and foremost, when Marvel is hiring new assistants, is they look at the the interns. Um, but for me, when I was looking at you know new applicants, or when the seniors are looking at new applicants, the important thing is showing a history of running projects and putting together successful projects through fruition. Um, of course, if those projects are comic that makes it even better um but not necessarily being a writer um means you have the skills to be an editor an editor is a project manager an editor is a storyteller an editor is a part-time therapist (laughs) editor uh you know is has to have great communication skills but like the, the the being the good project manager like first and foremost are the skills that you need to have you know you need to be able to have the ability to forecast and schedule and you know manage a budget and manage deadlines and manage talent and creators um on multiple books a month um you know hundreds of books a year and so just being a good writer 
is just a small slice of the pie of the skills that an editor has to have. Okay. Well, staying on topic of editor, first book you were on as an assistant editor and then first book as editor. First book I was on as an assistant editor was Princess Leia number two, I believe. Um, I have a page from that issue hanging in my living room from Terry Dotson. It's quite lovely. Uh, great. And then my great story by Mark Wade. Yeah, yeah, I really loved that. Was when when I was like, oh, this is the first book I'm working on. Mark Wade and Terry Dodson. That's not intimidating. <laughs> <laughs> not at all. Great. Um, I don't know my first credit as full editor. I think it was X Men ninety two. I think I could be wrong. That was a long time ago. <laughs> I think it was X-Men 92. It might have been the adaptation of Force Awakens. It was around the same time. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Are there any titles from the Star Wars uh, lines that really surprised you as to, hey, this this worked out so much better than I thought? Uh, I know you've already talked about Dr. Aphra, so let's, let's not include her. Uh, any others that, that might have taken off better than you thought? Um. I don't know if taken off better is the right way to phrase it, but definitely the fan response was a lot more positive than I thought it would be. Not that I thought the fan response would be bad, but we just heard it's, it's the book I hear back constantly on is um, the C3PO one shot where we tell the story about how he gets his red arm. Um, like for, for, you know, like this was a book that Lucasfilm, that JJ, that JJ Abrams specifically asked us to do. Um, it was an idea that he had and he he was like oh let's do this one shot to tell this story and so Jordan and I were like okay we'll do this and and we'll tell the story and worked with JJ and made it happen um, with James Robinson and Tony Harris and you know we put it out there and by that time the movie had come out so who really the movie had come out and people already found out that oh C-3PO has a gold arm again by the end of the movie <laughs> um, why does it matter how he got his red arm but the fan response to that issue has been still like it is probably the number one comic that I get talked to about Star Wars from fans is is that issue like how much it meant to them and and like the the story and how powerful it was and so like it I don't know if like sales wise it did remarkably well but it definitely had an impact with Star Wars fans so much more than than I could have ever anticipated then well, I think we, I, I know I've talked about it a lot between all three podcasts that I run. Um, I enjoyed the story and it was a great story. It's just when it came out being what, almost four months behind, five months behind, I, I almost wondered if it should, if y'all should have just waited and made it a one of the free comic book day offerings. Uh, well, that's not a decision that I could have ever made. I mean, that right. comes from other people like, and, and it was a thing like, yeah, it was originally supposed to come out before the the movies but it, it's one of those things like you know with jj being involved with it yeah. um trying to you know trying to nail nail jj down for to check out some comic book pages the week a movie is trying to you know that 
probably the biggest movie of the century is hitting the theaters. Right. <laughs> he had he had some other things going on. <laughs> just some, just a minor project. <laughs> it's just yeah, like I said. I I think if it had come out sooner, it, the story would have been even more impactful. Mm-hmm. Um, again, I I think it's a great story. It's just I I think it lost some of its momentum, some of its um some of its pow because of when it came out being being delayed like it was. Yeah, I think initial impact wise, but it's one of those like like any other comic, you know, it's it's the impact is still there. Um and in, in the store in the greater scheme of the story uh so i don't know yeah it's it's one of those things we'll never know we'll never know true well it is in my it's in it's in my bo- comic box so it doesn't matter <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I do, I do enjoy pulling it out and and reading, reading it off and on because sometimes it's like, okay, so what again happened here? And and it, it, I mean, it is a great story, and and the art's wonderful. Um, so I, I'm not knocking it for that. It's just more the the delay. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Um. I'm trying to think what having had having your hand in so much Star Wars uh, and some of the other Marvel titles um, that are still yet to come out that you were working on as you were heading out the door. What's been the one or or a couple books that you're excited to see come out now now that you're not at Marvel? Um, I mean, West Coast Avengers, right? Like those, I, I want to see what Gwen, you know, what another, what another editor, what another writer does with Gwen. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, it's, it's like that mama that lets her kid out into the world, into college and, you know, like, okay, make good choices. Like that's kind of how I feel. <laughs> make good choices. Um, yeah. So I'm, I'm like nervously. <laughs> Um, I'm really, really excited for Nick Spencer's and Ryan Otley's Spider-Man. I got to read um, a couple stuff of that before before I left, and um, you know, getting to pick that up as a fan and getting to see what Nick is doing on a comic now that he gets to write comedy again at Marvel. I'm very excited for that because he's a, such a funny writer. Um, and on the Star Wars front, I know I know way too much about what's coming out there. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be it's gonna be a long time before I don't know so I'm just excited for like a year from now for when things are getting announced that I just legitimately don't know of Okay. Well, okay. All right. So sometimes, uh, sometimes working in a, a particular industry changes your perception from before you work in that industry till you get experience and you kind of get the inside uh, view. Did that change comics for you in any way? Uh, it's it's definitely made me a lot more. It's it's made me a lot more conscious of the different issues that comics can have and why like you know why things get delayed why artists change why there are multiple artists on a thing, you know when an announcement is made that it was this writer announced not that right you know you're a lot more conscious of like well this is why those sorts of things happen rather mm-hmm. than just the the typical fan outrage that we see you know from people who just don't understand how the industry works. And and so 
there gets to be a sense of fan entitlement in a way where it's like, maybe this writer is writing 12 books a month and then they realize they couldn't take on a 13th one, you know? (laughs) 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 Or maybe life happened. Maybe life happened and, you know, like someone got sick or there was a death in the family or something happened and an artist couldn't draw, you know, like life happens. Um, But it's also one of those things, like, again, as you get so ingrained in an industry, especially an industry that is as small as comics, um, you learn people's personalities and you learn, you know, like, oh, this is why this person is working with, you know, this, these are why these creators are working together and working with this editor, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, it just, you know, it just becomes a, a lot more, the gossip becomes a little more ingrained. <laughs> <laughs> So, so, uh, you, you're, so like when you pick up your books from your local shop, you don't need to look at, uh, comics, was it, uh, comic shop weekly? You don't need that, right? Cause you, <laughs> you kind of get inside on all that. A little bit, a little bit. <laughs> okay. So, uh, I looked. I, I I did a Google search on you a little earlier in the evening, and I came across your Wikipedia page. <laughs> and I'm just, it, it, you have a lot of titles cr- to your credit, uh, both as editor and assistant editor. And I'm just wondering, do you ever look at that? You know, you being the quote unquote normal Star Wars geek <laughs> uh, from college, do you ever just just have to look at that and just say, you know what, I'm part part of this now. I am part of this franchise now. It's it's weird. Like it's still it's a weird thing because like, you know, it's not a thing that you really sit and think about often. Um and then when you do, you don't it's surreal, you know? It's it's just like I think one of one of the most surreal things for me was uh, so I was working on the Han Solo comic and uh, Mark Brooks, who was the interior artist on it, has become a really good friend of mine over the years. And um, just as how, you know, how we worked to make sure that like he was staying on track, I would call him every couple of weeks and just check in like, hey, or every like once a week, every couple of days. And just be like, how are the pages coming? Blah, blah, blah. Remember to email me. And uh, so we had become friends throughout the years. And so when he was drawing Han Solo, I was like, hey, if you have a crowd scene, like, could I get a cameo? Uh, I would love to be canonized and start, you know, like I've having the editors drawn into Marvel comics, into the Deadpool comics. Like, that's just kind of a normal thing. You know, Jordan White has probably appeared in a Deadpool comic just as much as Deadpool has probably at this point. Yeah. <laughs> um, But I, you know, I really wanted to be drawn into Star Wars. I was such a fan and I thought it would be cool. And like, I figured Mark would be the one to do it. And Mark was just like, yeah, yeah, sure. Actually, what do you think if I made you one of the main characters? And I was like, what are you talking about? And he's like, yeah, there's there's the two Twi'lek pilots. I'll draw my wife, Lisa, as one and you can be the other one. And so there is a Twi'lek. Uh, pilot um, named Satna, which is Anto spelled backwards. That is me. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I was at Star Wars Celebration and there was someone cosplaying her. And so there was literally someone cosplaying me in a sense. And it was just the weirdest thing to like sit and think that this is reality. <laughs> So did you get your picture made with the cosplayer? Uh, I do. I do have a picture with her. Yeah. (laughs) I I could just see how that would go down. It's kind of like, excuse me, ma'am. Um, 
this is going to sound awkward, but you're actually cosplaying me. Can I get a picture of us? Yeah, right. Like it's <laughs> it's just a weird, weird thing, but really cool. <laughs> was it one of those? She just happened to walk past you. Yeah, and, yeah. and you had to stop and, and go chase her down. Yeah. So I, uh, one of my really good friends was at was at celebration too, and she, she knew that like Satna was based off of me, and we we joked like, oh, wouldn't it be funny if people like cosplayed as you know as uh, Satna and um, I can't remember Nawak I think is the the other Twi'lek. She's like, oh yeah, yeah, blah blah blah, and then I get this text from her where it's like a picture from a crowd where she found this person cosplaying was like look what I saw and so I spent like the day like trying to like find this person (laughs) (laughs) I was like I'm not being creepy I swear but I I will say I was surprised. I, I love seeing all the Dr. Afras um, like we talked about earlier. But when we were waiting in line for was it the, the writers panel or was it the Marvel panel that we saw Sana? Oh, yeah, yeah. Sana Staros. That was. Oh, cool. I think that was the uh, the writers panel. And she was a good cosplay. She looked awesome. That, Yes, she did. the The Han that was with her was really good as well. Carrie, I think I think he carried over the comic look of, of Harrison really well. Yeah, I don't I don't know if I saw him, but I definitely saw her. She was like the only one I saw the whole weekend. Yeah, she was really good though. She was really really good. There was also that it, I remember this just because it's like it is like a really good Marvel slash Star Wars mashup. Somebody had went cosplayed as Mystique being Princess Leia. Whoa, uh, yeah. that's cool. Yes. Yeah, I remember. Yes, combine those two, and it was kind of like, those are two characters you would never really expect mm-hmm. somebody to put together, but it came off really, really well. Yeah, there are some, uh, yeah. There are some great mashups there. So. That's how- well, before we get into our picks of the week, I'm going to ask, what are your top three books from Marvel that you have to get every month? Oh, man. Well, it's tough because now I actually have to buy the comics instead of getting them free every week. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but, uh, oh God, my top, I would definitely have to say Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur is like a huge favorite of mine. I love that book so much. I love Lunella. Um, Moon Knight, um, by Max Bemis and Jason Burroughs is just amazing. And then, and I'm picking books that I didn't work on because Star Wars books don't count to me. I, that's just, I just have to consume all things Star Wars. <laughs> um, and then, uh, also Daredevil is another one. I'm, I've, been really enjoying Charles Soule's run on Daredevil. Okay. Well, it is that time for Picks of the Week. This is, of course, for the new upcoming new comic book day, which will be for May 30th. And I'm going to start us off because uh, typically whoever has the MU pick will also, that's Marvel Unlimited for those who are just catching up with us on on the Marvel side of things. Um, so I'm going to go first off, I'm going I'm to go with probably the, the hard hitter on this. Um, Amazing Spider-Man number 800 by Dan Slott, Stuart Immelman, and Alex Ross. Now, uh, is that the title number or the number of variant covers? Yeah. Um, looking at the list of variant covers, they still have not come close to Star Wars number one. <laughs> 
So, which I'm going to ask real quick. Jordan said he had almost every issue of that or every variant cover. Yep. Do you, do yep. you have every variant cover I, of that as I, well? I do. Yeah. That one, I have every variant cover of that and I have every variant cover of Vader Down. And I think Vader Down, we ended up having like 75 variant covers for that one. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't even remember that many variant covers for Vader Down. Wow. Yeah, there was a guy we met actually at Star Wars Celebration who told Jordan and I he was that he has every single variant cover of every single Marvel Marvel Star Wars comic that we have put out. Wow. Uh, like he has a deal with his local shop that he will buy, you know, if it's whatever percentage, whatever ratio, he will buy them so the comic so he gets the variant cover. Wow. And which is insane in and of itself. But I'm like, I I'm the one who hires all those variant covers. I'm the one that like casts them. I'm the one that, you know, makes them happen. And I could take home every single one of those variant covers if I want. Like I get the comps. It's a thing I could do. I don't even take home all the variant covers. <laughs> like I could own them. I could be that person. I could be that person. But I don't I don't have the space for that. I don't anyone who has the space for that yeah. well i i know one of the big variant covers i was wanting from this week was jtc's star wars annual number four cover mm-hmm. and my shop only got one wow and i'm like oh i hope it's there the next time i go back and i've got the extra cash to pick it up wow but amazing spider-man 800 dan slot Stuart, emelman are joined by many of the artists who made the last 10 years of spider-man so amazing the biggest Peter Parker, Norman Osborn story of all time unfolds over one 80-page story, a scope unmatched in comics. Who lives, who dies, and what scars will Spider-Man bear from here on out? So, Eric, I will pass it over to you for your first pick. My first pick of the week is a number one. It is Infinity Countdown Captain Marvel number one by Jim McCann and In Hyuk Lee. I think I pronounced that right. Yeah. I hope I pronounced you that did. right. Oh, good. 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 Huzzah. Carol Danvers has crossed the borders of reality itself and returned in possession of the Reality Stone, and with it has contacted the Marvels of many worlds. Join the Captain's Marvel for a cross-time adventure into the nature of the Infinity Stones. And I had to pick this one because it had the original Captain Marvel on it, too. So there we go. Highland, your first pick. Uh, my first pick is Daredevil 603 uh, by Charles Soule, Mike Henderson, and Chris Sprouse. The fallout from the shocking conclusion of Daredevil 600 continues as Matt Murdock and Daredevil both rally allies in the face of an overwhelming enemy. And how exactly does Wilson Fisk fit to things? Not the way you expect. Okay, so I guess for round one, how do we do, Miss Editor? Oh man, I think I think you have some good picks in there. I mean, I, it's, as I mentioned before, I love Daredevil. I love love me some Daredevil. So uh, it's a good good one. And the uh, uh, I mean, Dan Slott's Amazing Spider-Man eight hundred too. I'm just I'm sad to see Dan go, but as I said, I'm happy. I'm excited for Nick Spencer. So good choices, guys. So on to our second picks of the week. Uh, my second pick is. Um, Kind of ties in with what's happening this weekend. That's Star Wars Lando Double or Nothing. Uh, number one, it's one of five. Um, I love the original Lando. I thought it was a great little story. 
that led up to what happens right before Empire, you know, what we see Lando on in Empire, which which I truly loved. Um, straight from the frames of the highly anticipated film Solo, A Star Wars Story, Swagger is a younger and somehow even cockier Lando Calrissian. Before his days in the Rebellion, before he ran Cloud City, even before he lost the Millennium Falcon, comes this tale of Lando's adventures and misadventures in search of love and money leading right up to his appearance in Solo. So, Eric, on to you. Okay, I'm uh, venturing into the realm of the trade paperback for my second pick. And, and not just any trade paperback, an epic collection trade paperback. This is the Silver Surfer Thanos Quest. Uh, the Mad Titan is on a quest for death. The Silver Surfer may believe he has killed Thanos, but the terrible truth is that the Mad Titan still lives. And that's bad news for the Marvel Universe, because Thanos' great love has sent him on a spacefaring search for the Infinity Gems. Meanwhile, the Surfer tackles a deadly life form and deals with the madness of Dynamo City. But when Thanos returns from his quest, glove on hand and hellbent for revenge, do the Surfer, Galactus, and Drax the Destroyer stand a chance? And whose side will Mephisto be on? Norrin Rad must face his past as events build to a confrontation that sets the stage for the cosmic epic known as Infinity Gauntlet. Uh, collecting Silver Surfer 39 through 50 and annual number three, Thanos Quest numbers one and two, and material from Marvel Comics Presents number 50. Okay. Kylan, your second pick of the week. My second pick of the week is Punisher number 225. Target Punisher. Frank Castle is a man on the run. With his war machine armor being tracked, Frank needs to stay one step ahead of Nick Fury if he wants to keep a handle on this heavy, heavy artillery. And for what the Punisher's got planned, he's going to need it. Okay. And that's that's by uh, Matthew Rosenberg, uh, Jui Villanova, and Clayton Crane. Awesome. Any surprises with the second round? Uh, no surprises, but I, I will. I mean, I have to give props for picking Lando. <laughs> <laughs> I worked on that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, our final picks of the week. I'm going to start us off with Spider-Gwen number 32. Jason Latour and Robbie Rodriguez. The secret is out. Spider-Woman is Gwen Stacy. Will going public fix the timeline? And more important, will it get Gwen out from underneath the Kingpin's thumb? Will this go as well as the last time a Spider-Person revealed his secret identity? And part of the reason why I picked the Spider-Gwen series is because of my daughter. <laughs> so I do it in her honor. So Eric, your final pick of the of the week. Okay. My final pick is kind of a running thing for me. Uh, if you're a long-term listener to Mining Marvel Geeks, uh, you may know that uh, I was a comic book colorist in the industry back in the day. And so anytime one of these comes up, I have to pick it. It's almost kind of like... It'd be kind of like Heather picking a Star Wars one, just because it'd be mine. This is Color Your Own Ant-Man and the Wasp trade paperback. They're Marvel's smallest heroes, but they're no shrinking violets, unless you want to color them that way, that is. They're Ant-Man and the Wasp, and it's your job to put the life into their microscopic world.
world. Get experimental with scientist Hank Penn, the first Ant-Man, or maybe one of his two of his other alter egos like Giant Man or Goliath. Dig deep into your collection of pens, pencils, or crayons to do justice to Janet Van Dyne's extensive wardrobe of wasp costumes. And who better to steal the show than ex-thief Scott Lang, who put his colorful past behind him to be an astonishing Ant-Man. Then there's the ever-hopeful young Avenger, Nadia Pym, the bold and bright unstoppable Wasp. They're all waiting for you in awesome artwork that's big on detail, but short on color. Okay. Kylan, your final pick of the week. My final pick is a trade paperback. It's Secret Avengers by Ed Brubaker, Complete Collection. Uh, Steve Rogers has a big secret. The former Captain America has assembled a special op squad to counter the world's deadliest threats. But who are the Secret Avengers? Spy intrigue meets superhero action as the Super Soldier, Black Widow, War Machine, Ant-Man, Valkyrie, Moon Knight, and more take on a case that crosses dimensions and lands on Martian soil and somehow involves Nick Fury. Then the Celestial Order of the High Dai launches a brazen attack on Shang-Chi. Its mission to return him to his father, a man of consummate evil who has perpetuated his brand of wickedness and corruption for more than 3,000 years. Can Steve's stealth team and an old friend from his World War II days save the master of Kung Fu? Ed Brubaker's blockbuster run is collected in full, collecting secret adventures numbers 1 through 12. Awesome. So that would be our final picks. Now we get our final editorial grade. <laughs> I mean, I will, I, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to grade people on their comics choices. That just feels dirty. I'm just excited that people are reading comics and are excited about comics. So A plus for everyone for reading comics. Awesome. I like that. <laughs> well, the Marvel Unlimited pick for this week, which is the last one for the month of May, um, Marvel Unlimited is a great app. Uh, done by Marvel that has over 20,000 titles from Marvel's history all in one spot. And, and it's an affordable, affordable cost to, to sign up for it too. Um, the book I picked this week, I, I think Heather might know a little bit about it. Um, and, and I'm sure Eric and, and Kylan are, are a little scared because they know how, <laughs> how I could tend to pick the obscure, I guess. Um, <laughs> This week, it's Not Brand Eck, number 14. Ah, yay! <laughs> Four, Four Bush Man Returns, part one. Get ready to break the internet, folks, because Four Bush Man is back and he's ready to take over the comics industry. Meanwhile, Captain America, Gwynpool, and more are not quite themselves these days. Featuring stories by Nick Spencer, uh, Christopher Hastings, and many, many more. Oh, that's an excellent pick. Get four bush man, I'm good. (laughs) Well, originally I I was going to go with Gwynpool number 13. And then I saw this come across. I'm like, yeah, I got to go to that realm of obscure. I will say of all the projects I've done at Marvel, like not brand deck number 14 is one of my favorite things I've got to work on. Um, I, I think it's just super, super silly, ridiculous fun. Um, so thank you for picking that. I like that oh, one. My pleasure. I'll tell you, there, there is one book I would love to see appear on Marvel Unlimited. 
and I don't think it'll ever come. And I used to have it as a kid, and I'm trying to find a new copy of it to have again. And that was the it was an April Fool's issue called Generic Comic Book. <laughs> nice. And the cover was just a generic white cover, and it, it had stuff like barcode goes here and this here, and you open it up, and it was just a generic superhero. I'm like, oh, this is so cool, but I haven't been able to find it since. And I, I, it was one of those. I, I wish it would appear in Marvel Unlimited. It might one day. You never I, know. I hope. You, you never know. I'll put in a request with my guys. That would be <laughs> awesome. Where can people find you online? Best place to find me is Twitter. Uh, just at Heather Antos. It's pretty simple. Just my name. Awesome. Well, thank you for coming on. I know. Yeah, thank you for having me. I know we've had a blast. I know it's it's been a long time coming. We've been trying to figure out, you know, back in your Marvel days, like, well, how do we get you on and still meet within which you needed for survival at work the next day. Yeah. Um, and, and of course, I know Eric and I, we had a blast meeting you, even as brief as it was at Celebration. Well, definitely. Um, so glad we finally got you on. Yeah, yeah. I'm happy we were finally able to make it happen. Uh, it was a good time. Well, thank you. Um, any final thoughts from anyone, including you, Heather? Uh, thanks for reading comics, guys. Keep reading them. <laughs> Well, thanks for Paul Dameron. Ah, <laughs> yes. Thanks for Thrawn. Of course. And and definitely thank you for Gwynpool. I, I I was sorry to see Heather Antos and Gwynpool leave around the same time period. <laughs> uh, well, Gwynpool's coming back. I don't know about I don't know about Heather, but Gwynpool's coming back. So you get one of us. <laughs> should, should, think- go ahead. I was going to say, I think you win the deal getting getting Gwynpool back with West Coast Avengers. So. <laughs> well, we know what book we're not picking. <laughs> that, that's already an understood bet. <laughs> with, with people who might remember the original West Coast Avengers uh, and the way this one is being pitched, should we be worried at all that it, it is so vastly different? from from the original or should we just kick back and enjoy the ride i think like any comic book i think the worst thing that anyone can do when going into any form of media be it comics movies tv shows whatever books is going in with some preconceived notion of what it needs to be um like just go in and read it and enjoy it for what it is you know like don't don't go in with any preconceived notions because otherwise if you're walking in with expectations you're only opening the door for you to be let down you know um, so just go in, you know, like Gwenpool, people went in with Gwenpool, not knowing at all what that book was going to be. Um, and, and I think more people were able to enjoy that because of it. Um, but the second you go in, you know, wanting it to be a certain thing, then you're just setting yourself up for disappointment if it's not that thing. Okay. Kylan, Eric, final thoughts. Uh, it's a long weekend. Read comics. <laughs> here, here. That works. <laughs> well, Go sit down, read you some comics. It'll do you good. On that note, there's only one thing left. Jarvis, if you would, please. I am Groot. Groot. Uh, kiss said, your mother with that mouth. You're mental. I said Jarvis, not Groot. Jarvis, if you would, please. All wrapped up here, sir. Will there be anything else? Nope. Just time to go dark. So with Gwynpool, were, were, were you pleased with the reaction that um, 
that you got? I mean, was it unexpected? I mean, no one ever expected her to go viral on that variant cover, and no one ever expected us to get a character out of it. So that in and of itself was crazy, but... I think the, the big surprise for, for us was that it, it went on for two and a half years. Um, no Iceman, who's an established character who's been at Marvel you know, for years, only got six issues. You know, Silk only got 20 issues, and she appeared in, in Spider-Man first. Like, it's incredible that a brand new character without any legacy whatsoever was able to get two years um and and i think you know looking back at it i wouldn't change anything about that story i'm so happy with how everything turned out i think um yeah i'm i wouldn't change a thing i I don't think i would either 